I'm Nick Filardi. I'm Jason Thielbar. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. Today, we're talking about Batman Adventures, issue 19 that came out March 1994. Scarecrow is somehow freaking me out, Jason. I don't know what it is. It's either his horrible visage or the Bob Kane estate somehow getting checks from his creation still. I think I think it's the second one. And, you know, who isn't terrified of, you know, nerdy psychology professors? I, I, I know <laughs> I am. Point. That's a good point. I'm adding a little a little section here. This is brand new. This is across Ooh. the D- DC universe. Ooh. So around this time, around Batman Adventures issue 19, Green Lantern's Hal Jordan has lost his mind after giving after having his hometown blown up he started killing green lanterns and decided he's going to steal their rings and murder the guardians and remake time as parallax that's happening in the dc universe uh around this month in particular we're getting the first appearance of kyle rayner in march 94 jason do you have any any emotional attachment to green lantern at all or any of this stuff do you have do you remember it at all Oh, I, I remember it. I remember it vividly. I mean, I remember it happening. I didn't I didn't read the books because I still wasn't like, you know, I was sparsely a DC fan back sure. then. It was mostly Marvel. And then, as I've mentioned, ad nauseum, like, you know, the beginnings of the underground bullshit that I would grow to love. Sure. Um, but I do remember thinking how crazy it was because all this stuff was still under the code. And I, I was just now thinking when you were explaining it. Of how like the whole like arms race of like how dark can you get of oh, 90s yeah. superheroes and like they cratered <laughs> his entire fucking hometown, dude. Like just yeah, like, vaporized it. And then and then Hal Jordan spends an issue like making his hometown again out of Green Lantern constructs so that he can walk around and it's like this grieving process where you're just like Oh man, my my boy messed up. He messed up bad. It's just insane like how like zero to like, you know, 110, you <laughs> right, know, that right. went. You know, like no no image books at the time ever went as hard. You know. Yeah, I mean, maybe they did. I don't know. I can't I'm trying to remember how hard image books went, but Usually it's mostly just Spawn being tortured. That's the that's my memory of image books, because I didn't read a lot of them outside of Spawn and the Max. Yeah, yeah. But like it's just all the like, you know, dark past like bullshit and like all these other like, you know, ratcheting up of like, you know, the dramatic effects of things. It's just like, yeah, no, 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 we're going to you know, blow up this guy's entire town. It's like when Grant Morrison began their run on new X-Men with blowing up Genosha. Right. Like they, they, they they were like, no, you know how I'm going to start this story. I'm going to genocide like 8 million mutants, you know, and no, it's going to be real. And it's just like, holy fuck. Right. 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 It's just like such a, and I also love though too, because it's like, Green Lantern is such a, at its root, a hokey character. Like it's such oh a golden God. age character. There's no way to knock Dude, off. Hal like, Jordan's, have, di- Hal Jordan's yeah. day job is a uh, experimental fighter pilot. 
And it's like, yeah, that is something that is born out of like 1950s. We don't know how to make jets yet. Like, kind yeah, of thing. yeah. Yeah, like no matter how, oh, Kyle, Kyle Rayner's a graphic designer and he's hip. And it's like, yeah, you know what? And Green Lantern Corps is still fucking, you know, intergalactic space cops. Like, it's yeah. not cool. If Hal like, Jordan, if Hal Jordan <laughs> is your favorite character, guess what? You're a cop. Yeah. You know, legally, like, legally, you have to tell me if Hal Jordan is your favorite character. Yeah, legally, <laughs> legally, legally, you have to show me the your ring of power. Yeah. Okay? Otherwise, this and, is entrapment. <laughs> yeah and and you and you have to remind me of the colors in which neutralize your ring so i feel safe all right because i remember that being a thing too <laughs> so that that is a thing except for when kyle gets his ring his ring is special it's like a little different it can hold a charge for longer than a day it like doesn't have any color neutral because he fights um he fights mongol in like the talk about going toe-to-toe with like a bad guy like Mongol, yeah. he fights Mongol with Superman and his ring interacts with Mongol, even though Mongol is yellow. And, uh, uh, yeah, you know, it, I don't know. He's He's got a brand new ring. It's new to the DCU. Uh, part of the reason <laughs> Papa's why he's got a brand new ring. <laughs> Papa's got a brand new ring. One of the reasons why I really like that Kyle Rayner has a new ring is that it opened the door for that creativity of like, we're going to start to change the rings. I don't know if you read Far Sector that came out just recently. No, no. Uh, Far Sector is supposedly it's it's about um, a Green Lantern with an experimental ring built by Oa. And they are uh, she's way out. It's Far Sector. So she's way out in space, like almost uncharted. And she's on this planet. And yeah, yeah. She's on this planet and she's trying to keep the peace. She's basically the only like person that looks like a person on this planet um okay it was a uh uh ya uh young animal uh dc imprint book oh my god jason is so good you you will love it i should check it out i should check that that sounds right up my alley at its core it's about like civil unrest as well which is like really within in this like alien world this context of this alien world it's just really really fascinating it's a dense read and you really have to be like, I'm going to give this thing its time to like mm. build its runway because it ties together at the end. But while while I was reading it, I was like six issues in and I was just like, why do people love this? And then when I got to the end, I was like, I get why people love this. That That is such a great recommendation and a great way to describe why it's actually good sometimes, not all the time, mind you, but it's actually good sometimes to really like. A, a piece of uh, art, whether it's a film or a book or a comic book, whatever it is, that's challenging to you and difficult and like you don't get it. It's sometimes good to like plow ahead through it and yeah. see if you can make sense of it afterwards. Like it's it's really good to do that sometimes. Like, again, not all the time, but like it's just like it just helps. It, I think it just helps. It Yeah. Just, yeah. Jason, you know, like from dense reads. Let's move to 1994 Batman. Fuck yeah, the densest of them all, but in a different <laughs> way. Oh. Shadow of the Bat 26 was on stands. It's labeled Night Quest the Crusade by Alan Grant writing and Brent Blevins on pencils. I stumbled into some sort of Clayface conspiracy, Jason. Let's talk about Clayface. Can we talk about Clayface, Jason? I've been dying to talk about Clayface with you all week. Matt Hagen 
This is the name that keeps coming up over and over again. Matt Hagen, Matt Hagen. Ch- I checked my uh, Batman animated series comics. This whole short box over here, Matt Hagen, full of Matt Hagen. So I say to myself, I got to figure this guy out. I got to check out Shadow of the Back 26. And what do I find out? Matt Hagen doesn't exist. It's Preston Payne and Sandra Fuller. But I got a fucking box of Matt Hagen. I hit Wikipedia. Do you know how many fucking clay faces there are, Jason? Eight. There's eight clay faces. So I decide, oh, shit, buddy, I got to dig a little deeper. And I know what you're saying to yourself right now. You're saying, oh, well, they probably have a similar origin or powers, right? Wrong. Clayface one has no powers, but he combines the DNA of Clayface three and four and receives both of their powers eventually. And then after being trapped in the earth, augments his powers by putting quartz crystals inside him. Clayface two has shapeshifting, but he has to dip himself in protoplasm to recharge. Clayface three had shapeshifting powers, but ends up dissolving people with his touch instead and lives in a robot suit like Mr. Freeze. Clayface 4 has permanent shapeshifting and duplication. Clayface 5 can separate pieces of himself to bond with other people and make clay things. Clayface 6 can melt people by looking at them. Clayface 7 and 8 have similar shapeshifting powers. And we aren't even talking about John Carlinger, who just called himself Clayface after he killed a dude and has no powers. Clayface of Japan, the Clayface clone, the Rhino Clayface from the TMNT crossover, Earth-1 Clayface, Arkham Knight Clayface, the alt-time Flashpoint Clayface, Earth-9 Clayface, Batman 66 Clayface, or what I turned into after looking into all of this, Clownface. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was beautiful. Jason. That was beautiful. My my only my my only complaint about that rant is that like I now well I guess it's not a complaint. I now desperately need you to turn that entire thing into a too long YouTube video that will somehow get eight million views. <laughs> I have no idea why DC is just like we'll just make more clay faces. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I I had no idea. Honest to God, no earthly idea that there were any different Clayfaces or that Clayface's power was ever different or that it was ever that complicated, that much more complicated than here's a villain with weird powers. Like, I had no fucking clue. One of the things that the the Batman animated series did was kind of be like, okay, there's eight Clayfaces. We're not going to do any of that. We're just going to streamline it down. He's a mud man. That's it. His name is Matt Hagen. That's it. Here's a tragic backstory. Yes. Yes. Y- you know, yeah. Like, wow, that's man. That's great. I, I can see. See, y- you know what, kids? Comics may not always break your heart, but they will break your brain. Yes, they will. Yes. This is a great rabbit. I, I wish I now wish I could have been on your shoulder when you were going down this <laughs> rabbit hole, gathering all this information increasingly. You know, the Stanley Kubrick stare where like right, the, it's right. supposed That's to show I, the character. Yeah, just increasingly like mad, unhinged. It felt like madness. It felt like <laughs> mad. when I was reading this, I was like, come on. The, the one clay face who melts people by looking at them. I'm like, you're not clay face, my dude. Like. And, and, proto, what, what are and we what's doing? protoplasm and why do you have to dip your clay why? parts into protoplasm? OK, all right. Whoa. Anyway, let's talk about Shadow <laughs> of the Bat 26. Shadow of the Bat 26 is about Clayface. Jean-Paul Batman gets attacked by Clayface 4, a.k.a. Sandra Fuller, a.k.a. Lady Clayface. She tries to murder Jean-Paul. Meanwhile, Clayface 3, a.k.a. Preston Payne, is trying to kidnap Graham. 
Etchison, the cousin of Abattoir, who recently was attacked after taking a busload of orphans on a camping trip. Those orphans are now two issues deep into PTSD therapy. I'm not even joking about that. They are like having therapy. That's actually that's that's actually wildly progressive of like, oh, a horrible thing happened to these children. We should make sure they get psychiatric treatment so they know how to handle this trauma. Okay, so okay, let's paint let's paint a picture. The children are there, they're drawing pictures, they're working through their trauma, right? Clayface three, decked out in his robot suit. (laughs) <laughs> burns burns a police officer alive in front of them as he enters the room of these orphan children who are undergoing PTSD trauma. Okay. Oh my god. I am now being punished for, for not reading this issue. Yeah, for forget for honest to god, honest mistake, just forgetting to read. I'm being fucking punished. Clayface 3 needs Etchison's help as a doctor. We don't know why, but presumably it's because Clayface 3 and Clayface 4 love each other and they're having a baby. Yes, Jason, that's real. They're having a Clayface baby and they need the doctor's help, I think, for some reason. You are you are twisting the fucking knife, man. You are just twisting the goddamn knife in me, not reading this bonkers fucking issue. Half the issue was just Clayface 3 and Clayface 4 just living in the woods and like trying to like get away from society and just like, I guess go to bone town, I guess. I'm not sure how that mechanically works, Jason. It's, it's a, um, um, nah, you know what? That's too, too explicit even for our podcast. I I, 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 I won't go into it. I I won't go into that. Also, you know what? The only thing I will say about that is that I'm sure me describing the process would not make for great audio, except for except for except to perverts. Look, so I will I will edit this and I will cut that, Jason. This is the thing. The listener doesn't know how deep you went because I spared them from it. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a very obvious edit where I go. So anyway, it would sound like this and then just smash cut <laughs> music over it. Uh so anyway, uh this issue made me lose my mind a little bit. Oh, like I, 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 w- I definitely went down a rabbit hole after this clayface issue. Um we're getting more clayface in the next issue, so I I think that you probably should read this issue. Oh, I'm I'm honestly like as as soon as we hang up this the, the, this podcast, I'm probably going to make sure I, I, I read that. I really enjoyed it. I like Clayface as a character from the animated series and just getting a small taste of the madness that is Clayface in the regular continuity was super fun. This was a super fun issue. I can't wait to oh, see what happens I- in the next one. I I will say that I've I've grown over the years of having, especially rereading older books, which you know doing for the podcast, but I also did when Comicsology first came out, and I could like you know old collections right. were were there. I, I really appreciate when they just get so goddamn silly. It's like yeah, yeah they they yeah. know this is they know this is wild, and that's the point. They're like, it's a comic book, man. We can do this silly shit, and it's yeah. so much fun. It's just oh god, so. So disappointed and past me. God damn it, past Jason. One of the things that I really, really love about this issue is that this poor guy, the cousin of Avatar, 
just wants to take these orphans on a camping trip. Like, that's all he wants. He's just trying to be like the best person in society that he can be. Right. Exactly. Worst shit is happening around him. And like Clayface melts a guy in front of him after like this is like days, like a day after. And the children like like (laughs) almost kills him and the busload of orphans. Oh, God. Oh, God. Guy can't catch a break. Guy can't catch a break. God damn. Which segues us in a night quest, the crusade continuing in Batman 506, written by Doug Munch and penciled by Mike Manley. Batman looks for abattoir Henry Etchinson, not um, the guy who was, uh, you know, bringing the orphans to camp. Another another in the family, Abattoir's family. Abattoir, of course, kills people in his own family and eats them to gain their power. He's in prison. Henry's in prison. He puts a hit out on Abattoir for self-preservation and to ensure his family's survival. Ballistic gets wind of, of the contract out on Abattoir. Ballistic is a pink armored alien looking guy from the Bloodline books. Please care about Bloodlines. Meanwhile... Three failed musicians from Gotham, Gotham's post-punk answer to the Seattle's grunge scene are committing crimes. They're looking for to kill Avatar and fulfill the contract to kill and get a big score. They're also punk versions of the Three Stooges. Mike Manley draws the hell out of them. They are so fun through this issue. Oh, it was probably his favorite part. Yes, yes. Uh, everyone catches up with each other, but not Avatar, at a warehouse of stolen goods. John Paul Batman goes full Iron Man and blasts a hole in the warehouse with arm mounted missiles. All heck breaks loose. The three punk stooges are there. Ballistic is there. John Paul Batman is there. The criminal warehouse thugs are there. That's all continued in next issue. Everyone's looking for Avatar. We'll see what happens. Jason, what do you think of Batman 506? I loved it in the way that like the first two Steven Seagal movies are watchable. Like they're still not the greatest <laughs> action movies, you know what sure, I mean? Sure. But if you go, if you go back and rewatch Under Siege, like, all right, Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey's in there. So like they're carrying a lot of it. And yeah, you yeah. know, there's some pretty good action and it's fun and it's fucking stupid. It's the stupidest goddamn premise. It's just, it's just like it's not actually a good movie in any real way, but it's fun and you just kind of it wins you over. And that's yeah. what this fucking book did to me, is that it was so fucking stupid and it wasn't the the best but also it was it was fun and it held on to me and that last page with the alien turned superpower former cop yeah ballistic yeah ballistic that's right the the last page with him standing there like we we can do this together batman but all that money's mine oh (laughs) god he's just stupid it made me made me do the chef's kiss. I'm like, yeah, thank you, yeah, thank it, you so much. Because oh, it hit it hits a certain tone that like I feel like ni- we're so this is 1994 now. And we're mid 90s, and I feel like we're yeah. starting to hit the stride of like this is what 90s books are. Yeah, so we would have been in the eighth grade. So this was like prime. Like oh, we, yeah, we yeah, were yeah. we were both like super into Ash at this point. And yeah, right, that right, kind right, of right, right, yeah. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, I really like the issue. Uh, I think it's funny that they keep trying to get us to care about bloodlines. Oh, like all these Joe Public, Ballistic, the like weird dude who like disappeared 
in that one uh, Catwoman annual oh, the, or whatever? The, the invisible, the invisible one yeah, in the, who was the like alien, but not alien. pranks in his office from that previous issue. Oh, like God. just just the dumbest characters, just the dumbest characters. Man, a lot of comics just feels like we're just going to throw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, well, you know that that's that's serialized entertainment for you. Like, I I don't know if I've sure. like ever used this analogy on the show before, but uh, it's like people forget a lot that like uh, Dickens and writers of that time of like the Victorian and nearing the end of the Victorian era, like those books were written in serialized form because that's where you made your money because magazines were right, wildly right. popular. And there were more people who were increasingly literate. And so, like, that's why sometimes you'll see, like, like David Copperfield's huge and there's plot lines that just kind of get dropped because, like, it just wasn't working and it wasn't popular. And so Dickens was just like, I'm just going to not mention this much anymore because people don't <laughs> like it. I think the past hundred years we've gotten really used to the idea of that an author just sits down and, like, creates a whole thing from, like, start to finish and but comic books are uh, kind of left over from that, you know, because right. you, you got to get shit out every month. And all of a sudden you've been telling the same story the same way for like six months, but like something isn't hitting right. And so you just kind of go like, uh, I'm going to go this way now because uh, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't people didn't really like Joe Public. So we're not going to talk about Joe Public ever again. <laughs> you know what kind of reminds me more of Dickens dropping, you know, threads here and there and kind of tweaking as he goes more than comic books more than american comic books is manga like shonen oh, jump yeah. stuff shonen jump stuff like they actively engage with their readership even even pre-internet they're actively engaging with their readership and they're like yeah. this this story is getting rated the lowest we got to fix it somehow put some babes in it i don't know like put a robot in we're, we got we need something else yeah, than do, what you're doing, you know? Yeah, turn it into a turn it into a, a, a fighting tournament book because like those are really popular right now. Right, right, or, right, right, right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they will kind of like piece it together. And sometimes when you read, especially old Shonen Jump stuff, it feels like that. Like you're like, wait, I thought I was reading this and now I'm reading this. You know, yeah, like, the, the, the things will to just take a turn. Yeah. You know, there there is a really fun, uh, I think, and maybe undersold idea of like stuff that comes out in a serialized fashion like comic books or even like a, a written story told you know told in a serialized fashion like has a, a sort of tension to it because you have that immediate right. interaction with the audience so you can you can kind of live and breathe in a way that you can't if you're just going to sit down and write like a 300 page you know novel from start to finish like you're not yeah, going to get yeah. that like you know and the, yeah it's, it, man that, that that is just such a cooler way to um because because it's like a it's like a longer simmer you know because right, you can kind of right. you know you can kind of start to take your time and see of like oh okay this, this actually feels more right when batman acts like this and you, you know yeah i don't then, know if i don't know if one's cooler than the other it's just different it's just different ways to make oh things. yeah oh yeah. yeah yeah no no oh totally totally it's it's a uh, uh i just think that like maybe uh serialized storytelling especially these days uh with the exception of like the now glut of quote-unquote prestige tv doesn't really get like it's due you know as a no, legitimate you're right. it has kind of way. faded from our culture in a big way anyway anyway yeah did you like Batman 506? 
Yeah, yeah, no, no, I did. Okay. I, honestly, all right, for, all right. for 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 all for all those reasons, and I, I think yeah. you, like you touched on it too. Like it's it's so silly, but it's it's obviously just so much fun, you know. And it's not that deep and serious anyway. When uh, John Paul Batman's wrist rockets came out and he went full <laughs> Iron Man, I was like. I was like, now we're getting somewhere. Hell, I, honestly, I had almost like the exact same thoughts. I was just so like, I st- I stared at that panel. Like I, I deconstructed how those were supposed to work and where they were this whole fucking time. He's yeah. had that suit like, oh. Night Quest, the Crusade continues oh. in Detective Comics 673, written by Chuck Dixon, penciled by Graham Nolan. This issue picked up where we left off. Joker is making a movie about killing Batman. Our co-ed Cindy is hanging upside down in a tank of water. Jean-Paul Batman is chained to the ground, helpless. Joker's wearing a white suit. It's all awesome. Joker's goons open fire on Batman, but they all have blanks because Joker wants to be the one to kill Batman. Jean-Paul rips the chain from the ground and swings it around, beating up goons. Joker calls them scene-stealing amateurs. Joker, watching the Batman fighting, realizes this isn't the same Batman he's fought over the years. Batman frees Cindy, who is real pissed about the water. She doesn't feel like she's getting her big break, and she walks off set. John Paul Batman doesn't know what the heck's going on. Joker knows where to send her check. Joker murders Siskel and Ebert in the next page, who give his movie a bad review. After having a bomb collar put on him, the studio exec is starting to have second thoughts about this one. <laughs> Jean-Paul Batman and Joker fight. Jean-Paul breaks both of Joker's arms and is about to beat him to death and put an end to the Joker's madness. Because remember, folks, he isn't Bruce Wayne. He is stopped at gunpoint by the police who show up. Joker is rushed to the hospital, but escapes out of the back of the ambulance. Jason, what do you think of Detective Comics 673 wrap up of the uh, Joker story? I fucking loved it. It's so good. I also loved it more when I realized I have no other evidence than, well, than this entire story. But I think this is hit it even harder than the other first two issues. But this, there are so many parts of this that I think are just Chuck Dixon personal axe grinding against <laughs> against yeah. critics. Against probably experience with either submitting to or trying to do like script work for Hollywood and working sure, with studios. Sure. It feels you know, like, like that at times. Just such <laughs> a, when he fucking kills Siskel and Ebert. Like, because yeah. it's just, he's just never like they're, because they're picture perfect Siskel and Ebert, but they're never not just like pompous jackasses. Right, exactly. Which, which of course they could be just like any critic can be, but like, sure. man, I, but, but, but to the, to the meat of the story, like, yeah, no, I thought it was great too. I thought it was great that everyone was a fucking plant. I, I honestly was kind of shocked that the college co-ed was, I thought that was really funny and a really yeah, her, good, like, yeah, her name reveal. isn't Cindy. She's, she's just an actress that the Joker hired. She was hoping yeah. for her big break in the movies. Yeah, yeah, and she's just kind of bothered that, like, you know, the stunt hurt not so much that she almost died, but she's like, whatever, right. I'm going to get paid anyway. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. So, so good. Did you, were, were thing, you drinking that spite juice along, along uh, with Chuck? Yeah, yeah. In, in yeah. this issue. Oh, man. I, yeah. 
all three of these issues were fantastic. The only thing that I wasn't sure of there's so Batman fights the Joker or Jean-Paul Batman fights the Joker at the end yeah. of this at the end of this issue and he goes up a staircase that's a piano up to mm-hmm. like a platform and it's very reminiscent of like 1950s 1960s like musical numbers like Fred Astaire stuff and like yeah, that kind of yeah. thing yeah and I was wondering if it was an actual like homage to a, a an actual set an oh. actual movie that existed but i was yeah, trying yeah. to like google piano stairs and movies and stuff like that and i couldn't really yeah. find anything for some reason in my mind i was like is this gentlemen prefer blondes the Marilyn monroe bit but like it's not it's yeah it, once i started looking at screen caps i was like oh this isn't it but yeah yeah it, so it, if it, it is a reference yeah. it went it went over my head i'm too young yeah. for it or, or yeah, or it might be it might be like something that's like, you know, kind of obscure. You know, it might be one of those weird things where like someone who was like like however old Chuck Chuck Dixon was at the time in 94 or Graham Nolan or Graham you know. Nolan. Yeah. And then you go back like 30 years from there and it's like, OK, well, they had TV, but they had like three channels and like what right, kind of right, shit right. did like a young like Graham Nolan or Chuck Dixon watch when they were like it was a Saturday and it was raining in the summertime Right. You know, like pr- probably public domain films from the 30s that. Right, right. And it's like etched you know, into their brain. Yeah, but you can't find a copy of it because all copies were lost in some tragic sure. fire somewhere, or, you know. You want to talk about Batman Adventures issue 19? Oh, shit. Do I? Do I ever? Yeah, sure. Let's. Batman Adventures 19, written by Kelly Puckett, penciled by Mike Parabek, inked by Rick Burchett, colored by Rick Taylor, lettered by Richard Starkings of Comic Craft, edited by Scott Peterson with an assist from Darren Vincenzo. Jason, we have a scarecrow on the front. He's larger than life, kaiju-sized. He's gripping Batman in Gotham City. He's, he's running amok on the cover. Oh, yes, he is. And yet again, it begins with yeah. just straight up action. Straight into the action. Because I was thinking about this because you mentioned it before that like the previous issue was one of the first ones that isn't like straight into the action. Yeah, and yeah. I don't I think they're like, we don't have time to, to jerk anyone around. Kids are reading this. We need to grip them from the very beginning. Yeah, let's so, get this party started right, right. now. <laughs> So this is Troubled Dreams, Act One, Nightmare Over Gotham, and we have Batman lifting an entire person above his head <laughs> and, and fighting uh, the Scorpion gang. Uh, and the way he's shadowed, too, with just like the, yeah, the, the so, pointy ears and the eyes and the grimacing. The, yeah, and the bat symbol. And that's yeah. it. And he's like, it, yeah, the body is casting this shadow over him. Yeah. And the, the Scorpions are trying to fight him and he's lifting one of them up. It's it's total madness. And then suddenly the scorpions start freaking the heck out, terrified, absolutely terrified. Batman, he doesn't know what's going on. He turns around and he freezes. He physically freezes. He's got he takes out two batarangs because he's like terrified. And for the first time in his life, he's feeling this like real, real fear. He talks about how in the captions about how he's like legit terrified. And then it's this shadow on the wall. And then when the person rounds the corner, it's just a homeless person. And he's like, what's going on in my brain? 
He goes back to the back cave. He's like, I have no explanation of what's happening to me. I'm I'm not going out tonight. I gotta I gotta conduct a full physical examination. What is going on? He has a dream. Batman, of course, every night, what does he dream? He he dreams about seeing the mask of Zorro, leaving with his family, his mom and dad. They go down Crime Alley. And then instead of Joe Chill firing the gun that kills his parents, we have a kaiju-sized scarecrow reaching down to pull his parents away from him. Jason, this splash page of the giant scarecrow ripping his parents away, I was like, fuck yes. I was like, oh yeah. I was like, this is this is so good. This is oh, yeah. so good. I, I honestly kind of I, I read this I read this whole issue twice in a row because like it just read so quick. Like it just yeah. it just pulled you in and then it was over, you know. So like Bruce wakes up screaming no. Alfred's there with a cup of tea already. He's a little uh disheveled a little bit. It's the middle of the night. Still Bruce dressed is, impeccably though. I'm sorry. Still, still I just have yeah. to mention Alfred fucking Pennyworth does not fuck around. Disheveled, but does not fuck around. Yeah. Bruce is washing his face. He's like, I just got a little spooked, had a nightmare. And then turns out Alfred also had a nightmare, also had the scarecrow in his nightmare. Everyone's mm-hmm. having the same nightmare. It's all scarecrow all the time. Batman goes to, uh, I, I guess, where this like lockup area where they put all the supervillains like stuff, the police like. Oh, yeah, yeah. The belongings or, or whatever at yeah, Arkham, yeah. I think, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, Everything's locked up. Every single yeah. piece has like an individual lock on it. Every shelf, every drawer, whatever. And apparently there was reports of nightmare. Like Gordon's there with Batman. Gordon's like a bunch of cops are calling in sick. Like, you know, there's they're having nightmares. You know, it's it's a bad situation. Gordon says that Scarecrow just like walked in, put on the suit or he like he, he fought his way in, put on the suit and then just was able to walk out the front door. People were terrified of him in the suit. Yeah. Mm. Batman's like request mm. the National Guard. If I can't stop Scarecrow before he appears in public, you're going to have riots on your hands. Oh, man, such a uh, such, such a grimly serious scene. But I, I couldn't uh, get over just the sort of like they're all just standing in a room. It's Batman, Gordon and two uniformed officers. And they're all just standing there kind of like chatting about work stuff. Like I couldn't help but think of like yeah. them just like it's like someone stopped by like a cubicle and there's Batman in his full uniform, but holding a cup of coffee is like, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, looks like uh, this might be super bad with Scarecrow. So uh, I don't know if maybe you want to uh, call the National Guard in. So yeah. All right. Um, so I'm going to try to stop him, but. You know, you know what to do if I fail. Okay, it's it's just I I don't know why yeah. I got that vibe from it. The the like it's over definitely ca- like a it's definitely nature. like what Gordon and Batman around the water cooler kind of talk. <laughs> but uh, it They're also like been through this shit before. Yeah, it also like does a really great job of like we get the stakes, and then yeah, with that bat with that line from Batman that uh, Puckett wrote about like requesting the national guard we're gonna have riots on our hands like it's such a nice like ratchet up of the stakes like really driving it home before we get into act two 
Yeah, and, and even like a, a single sentence. Yeah, is who scares the scarecrow? Love it, Jason. Take us into Act Two. So we are in Act Two. Who scares the scare scarecrow? I'm going to have to begin with the giant red and I don't know, again, somehow festive. Maybe I'm just reading too much into this banner that says Gotham Board of Psychiatry annual convention. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. The you annual got an, convention of Gotham. You, ex- only Gotham psychiatrists. Uh, yeah. But also like a convention, like annual convention. I'm like, all right, well, so do you have like an artist alley? What's the psychiatrist? Well, the, but not, they, not the, there's con, there's conventions for this for this kind of stuff. Like like doctors it, have conventions and yeah, stuff where no, they, they like they get pitched all the newest stuff and like people hold, you know, uh, uh, lectures and things like that. Yeah, like it, it's no. a it's a thing it, to for it to be so niche as to be like Gotham only. I thought uh, was odd. Yeah. But then I was like, there's probably a lot of business in Gotham psychiatry. <laughs> that's that's true, too. It's it's a th- those are some. uh uh the, the, some nutritious soil there in Go- yeah, Gotham yeah. for for growing these these crops, an you know? extremely extremely traumatized city. Yeah, yeah, and I do love. Uh, so so we do first focus in on uh, one psychiatrist talking about how uh, he knows it sounds callous, but ever since the scarecrow business, his you know his his business has tripled. Like he's gotten more mm-hmm, patients. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon just popped in to the yeah. podcast right there. Shannon. She just she just said, don't forget too, Harley Quinn is a psychiatrist. So oh, fuck yeah. Uh that's and, and Shannon brings up that's a, good a good point. point. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the Harley Quinn show. Uh I still have to watch the last two seasons. I the, the I love the first one. There's a bit where Harley Quinn goes into Bruce Wayne's mind, and it's just uh, his parents dying over and over and over again. Like oh, Jesus. his, his, his mind palace is just crime alley and the movie theater and the murder happening over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And I thought that like the, the DNA of that idea existing so far into the, like, cause that's, this is a recent show that just came out and then yeah. we're here in 1994 and we're in the same fertile ground. Of yeah. like the same I because like when I was reading Batman in '94, I we're extremely off off book here. We're we're ah. off on a tangent, but ah. when I was reading Batman in '94, I was like, oh, Batman's traumatized and he's like gonna save the city and he's like doing all these things, you know. But I wasn't like he has the same nightmare every night, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But here we have it. Here we have it in the DNA so early on in the DCU of like, yes, Batman is so like extremely traumatized to to an elaborate extreme. Yeah, I think. Well, I think uh, us noticing that a, a bit more is just it just comes with age because like yeah, when you're, you're probably when you're, right. When you're 13, you generally haven't, uh, even if you've been through some rough shit by the time you're 13, you're still 13 and you don't really have the capacity yet to, uh, understand trauma. Yeah. Or, or to try long term effects of it. Yeah. And to try to synthesize it and to try to even recognize if it's a problem and how it is and 
And, right. and all of that like kind of comes with, with age and just what you get from knowing more about the world the longer you've lived in it. And I think that that's pro- yeah. probably like the read on here, but I do agree with you. Uh, we'll talk more about it a little later, but like, yeah, there are like certain points where like, man, the contrast of this book between being like kind of goofy and then just like super heavy. I'm like, I don't, yeah. I don't think though, like, I think it's only because of now that I'm a 41 year old adult versus right. a 13 year old kid that it hits way differently because of course it does. I'm a completely different right. person. Right. Right. Y- you know? Um, but anyway, yeah, anyway, it, it is. Yeah. We should but jump the, into this. The, uh, the convention. I love, uh, um, yeah. I, I love, um, so we have the psychiatrist who's kind of, you know, just saying like, yeah, the scarecrow shit is, has been kind of bad, but it's hey, increased my business, you know? And right. then well, I love a good, uh, sniveling, scared character. And we yeah. have a confident psychiatrist <laughs> with a pipe and this sniveling guy hunched over grabbing at his sport coat being like, well, geez, do you think Scarecrow's going to come after us? I mean, I know only <laughs> thing we did was revoke his license, but he might still be angry, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, like at the, at the last, at the last panel on that page, he's like, for all you know, he could be standing outside the door right now. Like just yeah, like oh. losing his shit. <laughs> yeah, and then such a and then such a great setup for yep, there he is, and just like and <laughs> right like, outside the door, yeah, yeah. and like hunched <laughs> and like fingers like just like delicately waiting to jump in there, and but mm-hmm. Batman knew, you know, obviously, world's greatest detective, he knows where fucking Scarecrow is going to be, and he shows up, but all Scarecrow has to do is shine a flashlight under his face and shout boo. Batman runs the fuck away. Yeah, he's barely keeping it together just to approach Scarecrow in the first place. Yeah. And then I did love this little bit, like after Scarecrow's chasing him, because Scarecrow's just reveling in people being afraid of him. And of course. He's he's chasing him down, but Batman has it figured out that all he really needs to do is not look at Scarecrow. And I love this little line. He's like Come and get me, Scarecrow. What's the matter? Afraid of the dark? And just the very small word balloon and Scarecrow's expression going, he knows. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Batman like retreats into this dark room and then Scarecrow's too afraid of the dark to like get in there. And yeah. Then, and then the darkness that Batman's in gives him the confidence because he no longer sees the Scarecrow. Yep. Gives him the confidence to attack him. Yeah, yeah. And Scarecrow starts beating feet. And he knows he can scare a bunch of other people, so he just runs straight into the crowd and tries to use it as a distraction. And Batman uh, chases chases after him, uh, following the trail of just scared, cowering in the fetal position on the ground like Bellboy uh, in front of the hotel and figures that he's on the loose and then shows up uh, still trying to figure out how exactly Scarecrow is doing this. And so has right. to go retreat back to the Batcave where Alfred is waiting with uh, sandwiches to try yep. to figure out just exactly how he's been doing this. And I love, I absolutely love the sequence. This again is why I had to, I, I love the, this issue, but I still had to read it again because this is, you know, I'm describing it, but to anyone listening to this, like it, it just read, it read so quick. Like it just yeah. pulls you in, like you just get so... And so when I reread it, I appreciated more the, the sequence of Batman 
talking through the issue, like talking through the problem that he has and trying to solve it and getting handed a sandwich, not really paying too much attention to Alfred, who's just trying to feed this man. Takes right, one yeah, bite just of trying the sandwich. to keep him alive. Yeah, it takes one bite of the sandwich, puts it down. And then as Batman's getting as, as he's getting closer to the answer, he figures it out. And then he goes, thanks for dinner, Alfred. And Alfred just very glumly just picks up the sandwich that had one bite taken out of it and just puts it back on the plate because he knows he ain't eaten the rest of this shit. You yeah. Know? And I just yeah. I just I just had on my second read through. I had such a great appreciation for that entire sequence, the way it was written, drawn, like just. This whole sequence reminds me of a piece of advice that Steve Lieber gave a while ago. Steve Lieber, by the way, uh, a great follow for anyone who's into process and, and is making their own comics and stuff like that, because he talks a lot about how to improve your pages. And he did this uh, great piece of advice for like talking heads scenes. And he was like, if so, if this is a talking head scene, you want to punch it up, make one of the characters doing something he he had one where like this character was setting up like you know just putting in his office just like putting a golf ball around you know yeah yeah uh, just to give give a little like movement and and interest and something interesting to look at kind of thing yeah and, uh he also was talking about how like having a character eating while they're while they're you know interacting with this other character is like a good bit of a good way to make a talking head scene like work a little bit better and yeah. then and then cut to 1994 and <laughs> it's it's here already you know like it, yeah, like we're, yeah. we're seeing it unfold i was like holy shit this is you know his advice in action well i think i think maybe like and this can kind of tie back to the talk about like the dick van dyke show is that like you know like you do love sitcoms and you love a great sitcom and it's like there are things that it's like yeah, these were the people who figured it out. And like, right. There's, and the reason why they're still using the same formula is that it fucking works. Like it just, right, exactly. You, you don't, you don't, you, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. You don't always have to overcomplicate a thing, you know, like sometimes you can just have a, a like, listen, I love shoegaze so much, but like, sometimes you can just have like two effects pedals hooked up to your guitar and you'll be fine. You know, right, like right, you can make right. some really good stuff. I know I talk about uh, facial expressions a lot on the on the show, yeah. and I think it's because it's an artistic obsession of mine of like, I've never thought I was like, I still think it's one of my uh, worst qualities as a, as a visual artist in, in drawing yeah. people. Um, and so I just, I, I love it so much. And the, the final panel of this act of like, when, when Bruce has it figured out and like just the look on his face of just yes. like, yes. And it's like, and it's like, this is one of the few things that make him truly happy is figuring right. out a mystery. It's right. like, yeah. it's like other, other than the trauma, like this is the thing that keeps him going, you right. know, it's like, I, I, need, I, think that, I want to I think figure that, it out. I think that smiling face hits a little harder too, when it's juxtaposed with Alfred, just kind of being, uh, I don't know. Disgusted at the situation, disgusted at the sandwich. I'm not even really sure. I, I think he's <laughs> just. Like, I, I think he's just more sadly overwhelmed res- by the whole situation that yeah, he's in. I, w- I would say sadly resigned because, like, sadly just, resigned. Yes. Yeah. He he knows what's next. He knows he's not going to eat, and he knows he's going right, to probably right. get. So, like, like having <sighs> those two emotions next to each other in the yeah. panel. 
It's so strong. It's so good. It yeah. just works so well. It works. Yeah, yeah. it works beautifully. So beautifully. We do have to mention that they did figure it out. Bruce did figure it out. There's a, a broadcast that's happening. Oh, yes. Sorry. That is putting Scarecrow into people's brains. Let me see if I can uh, see if I can find it. Yeah, he so, references the uh, a previous. Um, yeah, the Scarecrow the previous, appearance. The previous Scarecrow appearance was issue five and six, I think. Yeah, pretty soon after the initial. Yeah, so Ty Templeton did the first three, drew the first three issues, and then Brad Raider took over for the next two issues before Mike Parobek came on and has been drawing it basically ever since. Yeah. Um, except for some specials and stuff like that that we've yeah, yeah. talked about. So the Brad Raider issues were about Scarecrow planting devices in people's television sets and stereos in order to get them to forget how to read, basically. It, it yeah, alters yeah. their brain in some capacity. And basically this book is an extension of that storyline. So Scarecrow is using the same tech, but he's instead created a giant broadcasting tower on like somewhere high up in Gotham. And instead of, you know, making people not be able to read. And this was my criticism when we did those issues is like illiteracy isn't really a Scarecrow thing. It's fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so this instead plants the image of the scarecrow and activates your fear impulse, but then stops it from actually happening in your yeah. head. Um, yeah. So you don't know it's happening. You don't see the scarecrow. It's just like subtly implanting this message. Scarecrow fear, scarecrow fear, scarecrow yeah, you just, fear. Yeah. You just run away when you see him. Like that's why he, he can, he can just run like as we'll soon see, you can just run into a crowd like a, like a, a kid chasing after like ducks. Yeah. You know, right. Like, exactly. And, and, be, and just so, run away. So Batman's like, I think it's the same kind of tech. I know that Scarecrow is like a chemist and a psychiatrist, but not necessarily like he doesn't build things. You yeah. Know? This is beyond him. Yeah. This is right. like this, the, the actual tech for this is not his tech. So he, fi- he finds a transmission. It takes us into act three beneath the mask. He finds this like very stereotypical science oh, guy. And 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 oh my god, and how much do I love the 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 bullshit science machine and the for the give oh, me it's so good. Give me give me all the bullshit science machines, man. It's like it's like in a dome. It's like a giant cylinder with tubes and wires yeah, coming out of it, like, LEDs on the top, a little what, like very industrial there's yeah a, there's like uh what is it called tesla coils where it's like shooting electricity around yeah yeah <laughs> like man like some of my favorite parts about futurama were the bullshit science machine because they're just like fuck this we're having fun with it this doesn't have to yeah. make sense yeah yeah you know yeah. like I'm, I'm just gonna make this like cool looking like so uh. it's 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 very much a, a mad scientist lab and mm. uh the scientist is there and Batman comes in the room and, and, you know, the scientist is unwavered, barely even looks at Batman. He is he is doing this for the science. Like he does not care about Scarecrow. He yeah. does not care about Batman. He is <laughs> and like says a truly wild thing. OK, well, he doesn't care about Scarecrow. He doesn't care about Batman. He's he's basically like I'm I'm building this because 
like this is the only way to like test this thing is to like build it and do it and i care about the science what was the wild thing that that he says this experiment must be completed there hasn't been this great an opportunity for direct study of human subjects since world war ii wild wild okay and number and, 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 and i i know i know we have a listenership of like 10 and i love all of you very sincerely i do but like my god like everyone know anybody ever bring up that notion of like oh well nazi doctors actually ma- they made no advancements into anything no contribution no, to anything it was all, all they just ever wild did, torture yeah all they ever did was figure out hey what would happen if I strapped someone down to a table outside in the freezing German cold and didn't feed them for three days? Turns out they don't like it very much and it turns them into an animal. No shit. Oh, my God. What kind of insight? Like, but anyway, yeah, well, yeah that, but Jason, that, Jason. that knocked me that Charlie Brown style knocked me out of my fucking chair. I was like, that's well, such a crazy thing. Well, here's the thing. It also <laughs> Charlie Brown style knocked the scientists out of his chair because Batman just backhands this dude. Oh, me, meaty paw Will Smith at the Oscar annihilates <laughs> this guy. And, and just, and so demeaning too. like, yeah. to me, like didn't even give him a proper punch. No, just like, not no, a no, 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 punch, no, a slap. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to slap you and knock your small ass down. You little piece of shit. Yeah. Um, j- j- the disdain too, like uh, right. I mean, I'm I'm sure I'm projecting a lot as well, but sure, y- sure, you know. Oh. But it's it's wild that in a book they were like, <laughs> "Hey, what if we reference uh, Nazi experiments <laughs> of World War II?" I mean, don't get me children, wrong. Children will get that. <laughs> I I don't. I'm I'm not. I'm I'm, gonna, I'm you know. I I don't think when I was 13, if I if I would, I might have gotten it. But I don't know if right. I would have thought it has like woe as I do now, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh. So Batman shuts down the experiment. We cut to uh, three vertical panels on this on the uh, next page, and they're all the same shot. And it's uh, people panicking in front of a theater that is playing Hamlet, starring Kay Conroy. By I- the way. Yeah, I was like, oh, I like that. Yeah, shout out Kevin Conroy, voice of Batman, who recently Uh, passed away. Honest to God, teared up a little bit when I was like, I know, obviously, Kevin Conroy was still alive and well then. But I was it was still like, I'm like, that's really touching. They're like, yeah. Hey, man, like we know we we know how good you are. You know, here you are in the marquee. It's it's people, you know, gripping their head in fear as they frantically like run away. <gasps> oh, my. What? I just realized that the very first panel of what it is. What? Now that you know you're looking for something, look at the first panel on that page on the on, on the page and tell me if it reminds you of is a cover of be, any famous comic Is it book. supposed to be the Superman's first appearance? Like, the, yeah, the action yeah, comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, the action it's, comics it's, with the guy gripping his head in terror. <laughs> yeah, because there's, there's like a couple of people running away, like in the corner to sort of fill right, up the right. The, yeah. uh, I, I didn't it, I, I didn't notice that until right it now. Has that, that is, it has that vibe. It's like kind of gender beautiful. swapped a little bit. I don't know if it's like one for one or if just there's similarities with people I, running away from things. I, you know? I, 
I think it's more, I think it's more like the, the pose and the facial expression. Like I think, you think I it's think deliberate. Dr- yeah. And I think just drawing it, he was probably just looking at, like, I don't think it's a trace or he was probably just looking like, okay, I'm going to, you know, it was just a little like, right. People I mean, who know will know. And you know, that Superman cover of him lifting the car in his first appearance with the guy gri- gripping his head in the foreground. That's like, yeah built into every comic lover's DNA. You yeah, know, every, yeah. Everyone instantly recognizes that. Yeah. But so anyway, I think that definitely was there. Yeah. You hear somebody and, saying run behind this crowd. That's like running for their lives. And then the next panel, they're dissipating a little bit and you see a little bit, a little bit of scarecrow in the back and he's like scatter. And he's like, flee before me as that like, made me laugh so much. As like this old man's helping this old woman like get out of there, basically. And then you you turn the page and you get another splash. There's so many splash pages. There's three splash pages in this book. Maybe that's why it read so quick. Maybe. This is the third one. Uh, And he's it's it's a low angle shot of Scarecrow in like a kind of um, uh, Times Square kind of place. And he's got his hands up in triumph and he's like, look upon my face, Gotham, the face of fear. <laughs> it, it, it just it made me like I, I it, it gave me this feeling of like when on Bob's Burgers, whenever they do like a dramatic like villain moment. And yeah. like and because the character design is so goofy and fun that it's just yeah. very funny when they try to be. And the same thing, it's not necessarily the sort of the character design but just the way scarecrow's been acting this issue it's so right. it's so like oh this is like uh you know an eight-year-old who has like nominal powers and like this is what he right, would do right, like right. he's yep. he's just a little yes. fucking kid like screwing around like <laughs> it's it's just batman so, shows up he's so happy in that panel too he's so all he ever yep. wanted it's just batman shows here. up and uh He's like, it's over, Scarecrow. Uh, and Scarecrow's like, are you kidding me? He's like, nothing you can do to me matters. No jail can hold me. No court can convict me. They're all finally all afraid of me. And Batman pull, just casually pulls off the Scarecrow mask and is like, wrong, Crane. They aren't scared of you. They never were because it was always the Scarecrow. And then we see a mob of people descending on a cowering scarecrow and i'm like they're gonna they're gonna kill him jason they are going to kill him you turn the page and it's the scene break that's how the scene ends we don't see the mob justice that's going to happen batman wouldn't let that happen batman wouldn't let that happen scarecrow's captured gotham breathes easier the fear effect should be completely worn off in a week and not a moment too soon says alfred for my taste, nightmares every night is no way to live one's life. And then he realizes what he says. He says, oh, dear. He's like, I apologize, sir. And Batman is standing in front of the portrait of his parents in front of the fireplace. And he's like, that's all right, Alfred. And that's how it ends. Yeah, that that again, that was I was like, whoa, 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 yeah. guys, come on. We this come issue. On like oscillates between eight-year-old with powers run amok and real trauma. Like, real, real trauma. 
and that's kind of the vibe of the whole issue. It like bounces around and it does it so perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, this issue. So that, good. Yeah. I was like there again, because like, yeah, you were right. Like there were parts where it was like so much fun and it's pretty goofy. And even though there is a danger, like there could be riots, but you're like, you know, Batman will take care of it. It's just Scarecrow being dumb. And he's like caught. And there's barely any violence in this. Like barely a guy gets any. slapped, you know? So yeah. Batman's also, he's just being really even handed. And you're like, okay, this is just a, oh, wait. Yeah. I'm reliving my parents being murdered in front of me every single night. So anyway, night Alfred, it's all right. Yeah, Don't worry yeah. about it. it. Happens all the time. You know, like <laughs> that, that kind of thing you have to do when you, when you shrug off, like someone makes that like accidentally, like makes like a, you sure. know, oh my God, I forgot your mom or dad was dead. And like, I didn't mean, it's like, no, 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 yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah, and like, yeah. it's, it's, it's fine. It's, you know, yeah, just this, it's uh, there. <laughs> this, this book was just, it was so good. And I, I was curious, do you think that this was a, a, a rewrite that Kelly Puckett got to do of the, uh, scarecrow issues with the, with the, the two parter that Brad Raider did. I wonder if this was like him kind of revising it, kind of taking that swing again, because it uses some of the same tech it uses like, you know, some of the same, same characters. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Reestablishing it a bit better because, well, cause like, like you were saying from your first criticism of those books, like, this isn't what Scarecrow is about. And also this isn't his tech. Like he doesn't like right. do frequency, like electronic stuff. He does like gases, his gases right. and chemical bullshit, you know? So like, yeah, I think this was just sort of like a re revising. It was just a, a little revision. Just like right. they got to just kind of like smooth out this one thing from yeah. early in the run before yeah, ex- they kind of like established what they wanted to do. Yeah. Just explain away a little bit of how he was using this radio frequency tech. It's, oh, it wasn't his. Okay. Like, yeah. Okay, fine. Okay. Like that's, yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, what a man. What, what a great issue. Yeah. God, what a great series. <laughs> you want to hit the letters call? Yeah, I'm going to punch him in the face. No, no. Oh, sorry. There's been enough violence. We already we already slapped that that <laughs> scientist. That poor, mad, Nazi-loving scientist. All right, Jason. Can I confess something to you? Hmm. I sent you the letters column. Yep. And then I was like, I'm going to read the letters column. And then I went down a a clay face rabbit hole, a clay oh. face shaped rabbit hole. All right. That, all right. That took up most of my, most of my bandwidth. And Your I own actually, shadow of the bat. <laughs> yeah. My own shadow of the bat. <laughs> uh, and so I, I have not read any of the letters column. So I am completely relying on you. Okay. Hit me with a letter that you liked. Dear editors, I'm a doctor of psychology and novice paleontologist. Love that he, had to mention that it's great batman yeah. figures prominently in my psychotherapy with children i have artwork in my office action figures in the toy box and i often recommend the animated series and the batman adventures to my patients and their parents this is not because i've been reading batman stories for the past 27 years although i am occasionally guilty of countertransference, but because very often the kids can identify with the dark knight's internal struggle between good and bad impulses, yet without being exposed to the graphic violence seen in some other comics. Two-Face especially has been useful as an example of what can happen to people who are afraid of 
and try to, den to deny their legitimate anger. I've had more than one child exclaim with healing insight, hey, he's like me. Comic books offer a common ground for me and many of these kids, and some of the stories are worthy of being used in bibliotherapy. Issue 5 was a great opportunity for children suffering from dyslexia to talk about the way they feel. Thank you for your help. I would, however, greatly appreciate a character portrayal of a psychologist who isn't a psychopath. I know about <laughs> Beverly, but she's a physician. Please give fans a psychologist and a positive relationship with Batman. My favorite villain is Dr. Crane, but Sokka McGee, I would also like to see Batman help by my profession rather than only have it used against him. Thank you again sincerely for the help and entertainment. John C. Palmer, uh, Psychology Department, Columbus, Georgia. Uh, what did Scott say? He said, whoops, I guess you must have loved this issue then, huh, Doc? Sorry about that. Uh, sorry about that. Of course, uh, Dr. Joan Leland in Mad Love, although we don't see much of her, you do bring up an excellent point, and I promise it'll be addressed in the future. Just you wait till the next Scarecrow story. I love that letter. That's a great yeah. letter. Yeah. Uh, the, the, what we talked about with... Um, the Harley Quinn show where she's the psychiatrist and she goes into Bruce's mind in, in the new Harley Quinn and poison Ivy show. Yeah. One of the things that's really, really great about those couple of episodes is like, so Harley Quinn goes into Batman's mind and she's trying to help him. She doesn't realize he's Batman. She's, she thinks she's in Bruce Wayne's mind. Mm. She is trying to find a friend of hers that Bruce has held uh, uh, locked up in some capacity in some lab. So she's trying to mine his, his brain for that information. And then she stumbles into basically all of Bruce Wayne's trauma. And while she's there as a psychiatrist, she's like, Oh, you're a, you're a mess. And she even <laughs> like comes to realize like she's trying to save young Bruce Wayne the entire time. So it's it's him as a kid witnessing his parents murders. And she's like, I'm going to kill Joe Chill. Oh, that didn't work. I'm going to just you just come come over here. Little Bruce Wayne, like I'm going to give you a hug. Like, don't look at don't look at what's about to happen. She's like trying to protect his innocence. Yeah, basically yeah, yeah. in his brain. And then she's like, OK, we got to get young Bruce Wayne out of here and kind of like goes through his memories. She realizes he's Batman. but. There's this point where in the episodes it breaks and she's not really Harley Quinn. She's Harleen Quinzel, the psychiatrist. And she like starts to work with Bruce like <laughs> in a meaningful way where she's yeah. like, no, 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 you're my patient now. Like we're going to fix this. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. going to give you tools to help you deal with this stuff. And, uh, it's fantastic. And I hope that uh, wherever this psychiatrist is now, I hope you watch those episodes of the Harley Quinn show because <laughs> it's is exactly what he wants. It's exactly what he wants. Yeah. Well, and, and I also think that like, you know, there there's just such a great like. That's why I always uh, I love reading and uh, we'll talk about it more in the two read pile, but I'm trying to get back to the point where I was. Um, when I was uh, about 20 years ago or so, where it wasn't a problem for me to knock out a book a week. Um, sure. If not, if not more sometimes. And I remember having this thought when I was a kid 
after I had learned how to read for a few years into it, once I got more comfortable, you know, as Mm -hmm. you do when you're a child and you learn how to read. And I remember thinking like, man, this is amazing. Now that I know how to do, I can just like look at a thing. I can just look at these letters and it convey, it can convey so much. And, Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I also think like that there's a through line for that of why, uh, I enjoy art so much of any kind of any genre, like even honestly dance sometimes I'm not like an avid fan of it, but sometimes I catch like some sort of dance, either routine or ballet. And I'm just like, yeah. Holy yeah. fuck. It just, there, there's, there's that, uh, expression that, that hits you so well. And the, the value of it is like he said in that letter, kids and just people in general can point to something and be like, Oh, Oh, that's me. Even if you right. can't quite fully yes. explain it, you're like, you're like that ballerina is me. Like, holy shit. I don't know the names of any of those moves, but that was the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And everything about it is, is, is me. And, and it's so, um, it's so valuable to me and to my life. And I know to many other people's lives that that's, what's enriching about it. That's, what's great about artwork. And I love the idea of, uh, this psychologist using, uh, the comic books as therapy for kids because right. he's he's trying to get them to be honest and to, you know, start to kind of come to terms with uh the increasing complexity of their world. Cause that's all that happens as right. you grow up. Things get more and more complex and suddenly you have more and more agency and suddenly you're like, oh wait, shit, it's my choice now. And then you're just right. like and then suddenly you're 36 and you're like, ah, fuck <laughs> you, you know and and uh sure and it's just yeah and and it's just something that like yeah it just really uh obviously touched something really uh at my heart of like why i love any kind of art whether it's like schlocky yeah. or high-minded or low, whatever that however you want to interpret it 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 just absolutely means the world you know can we take a, a small off-ramp before we before you read that next letter Oh, sure. I, I, I won't read all of it because it's pretty long. Speaking of dance, uh, did you ever watch the show Bunheads? No. Oh, God. No, I did so, not. I, I vaguely remember it, too. So I vaguely remember when that show was on on television. And I remember being like, why would I ever watch a show about ballet? Like, who cares? Like, I, uh-huh. I'm not I'm not personally into ballet. I don't understand the appeal dance i'm like whatever it's was it a reality show or a drama it's a drama so okay it was written by amy sherman paladino who wrote gilmore girls which i absolutely love one of my all-time favorite shows i know about your love of uh, gilmore girls after after it was canceled i was like i was like looking for shows and i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna watch bunheads bunheads made me fall in love with dance like (laughs) that that show is so perfect and it uses so much it's like so much beautiful choreography so many talented people it's just uh it's perfect jason you should watch bunheads everyone should watch bunheads i know that you're probably like i don't want to watch a show about ballet it's about a a person who kind of gets thrust into teaching ballet who's kind of in their twilight of their years uh Mm -hmm. it's uh the lead is sutton foster who uh does a ton of actual like uh uh musicals and stuff on broadway and she is teaching all these young girls ballet but also teaching them about life and stuff and 
you know, uh, follows like their trials and tribulations that they have in their home and whatever. And yeah, and also yeah. attacks like this, the standards of beauty in ballet and, and like how, how we need to change that and how, how, you know, these, we got to get these girls noticed who are great ballerinas, but maybe a little bit on the bigger side than a normal ba- ballerina body, you know, yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff tackles all that kind of stuff. And it's so, so good. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's like, I, 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 one of the things that I love about uh, watching sports is one of the things that like, I I think why people get into dance is that it is amazing. Yes, absolutely absolutely. amazing to see someone not only work that hard, but just to be able to do that. A couple of weeks ago, LeBron James turned 38 and the Lakers aren't very good, you know, and LeBron James is obviously he's 38, but you know what? He's still fucking LeBron James. And on his (laughs) birthday, he scored like 52 points. Mm -hmm. Like on this man has been like he has so many achievements and he's getting to the point where like, you know, time just takes over and he's still just like, my team sucks right now. No, (laughs) no. Look, look what look what I can do. With my yeah. body still, fuck you, time, fuck, and just my, his will will not be denied, you know. And like I think mm-hmm. uh, watching the kind of crazy shit that uh, ballerinas and other dancers can do, and the way they control their body, and for how long too? For like, it's like it's like when you see a really talented person, like like a um, well, like a dancer, when like you see people who are like older dancers and not like maybe like professionally dancing anymore or whatever. And they're like, yeah, I just can't keep up with it. And you still see them though, like dancing and making the moves. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right, right, right. You know, like, but, but to them, they're like, oh no, no, it's not perfect. So I'm old and I'm out of it now. And you're just like, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. No, you, you're still, mm, no. Okay. But I, I get what you mean, but, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's, 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 it is such a great, uh man, yeah, went long on that letter. That's yeah, yeah. Th- maybe that really, maybe it really hit. It. Yeah, we could just leave it there because that that we really just hit leave it something. There. It just it just hit something really really uh, close to both of us. I think in the in the yeah, way yeah. we we that th- that was a good letter for sure. Yeah, yeah. Let's just yeah, that's good. That's good. We're 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 leaving it at that. We're leaving it at that. You want the stinger for the next one? Yeah. Next issue. It's the uh triumphant quote-unquote return of mastermind mr nice and the professor woohoo it's smells like black sunday by kelly mike rick rick and richard see you then so we're getting more of more of that trio that overshadowed the riddler for their issue uh i I hope for more goons oh my god give me i know i want it to be goons on parade man I I love that trio of villains. I know that they're made only for this, like a Batman Adventures books. Like I don't think they've been in anything else, but I cannot wait for more of it. Uh, man, next week it's gonna be great. Fuck yes, fuck yes. You want to hit the two read pile? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason, Nick, oh, what have you been reading? 
So uh, I think I mentioned last episode or maybe the one before that, but I've been uh, reading uh, my latest uh, used bookstore, the lovely uh, book barn in Niana, Connecticut. Uh, yeah. been reading uh, The Imposter by uh, Javier Sicaris. That, uh, and I wanted to wait to talk about it more until I finished it. And then I was like, you know what? Fuck that. Like, I've been trying uh, harder and harder recently to get back to uh, what I mentioned before of my almost a book a week uh, sort of yeah. way that I was able to do. But like, I ca- I'm constantly trying to remind myself that like, okay, man, but like you haven't had that habit in a long time. And so like, it's not going to just happen. Like it's not yeah. going to ha- just happen even over a week of you. So I've still been reading can it. I, I'm, can I man. say something kind of an- anecdotally to this? Yeah, yeah. This idea that I... I've been watching um, a podcast called uh, Offline Mm -hmm. and they had a guy who wrote a book about attention span and how the the advent of cell phones and social media, um, along with a lot of other things in our life, has slowly eroded away attention span. And he did this thing where he was like, "Okay, I'm going to get a flip phone for elderly people. I'm going to get a terrible laptop that can't go online and I'm going to uh spend three months no no plugged into the world you know like no no uh whatever so basically went offline for three months and he said that there was like a detox period where he was like frantic and he was like trying to read uh proust and he he was saying that he was like he was reading these books and he just couldn't sit and focus he was like yeah, 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 we get it. You're an orphan. Come on, let's pick up the pace. Come on, come on, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Yeah, and, yeah. And just like could not sit there and, and he had to really work to recapture his focus and be able to like sit down and read a full book. And he knows in his logical brain that Proust is good and that it's worth reading. But he just like is so keyed into like 10 second TikTok videos like like 400 opinions scrolling through your phone like he because we're so built to 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 be that now it took him a while to kind of like earn it back and then once he did start earning it back he started enjoying it uh and he was started like reading books very very quickly like you were saying but he also found that he would see other people on their phones you know and you and i might think he might be like, oh, judging those people, you know, whatever. But he was like, no, I wanted to rip the phones out of their hands and check my social media feeds. Like, oh, yeah. He was yeah. like, <laughs> he was oh, like yeah. full, full on a dick. So I do think that there is something to be said about like, oh, I used to read a book a week. And if that was a long time ago, like over 10 years ago, you definitely got to cut yourself some slack because yeah. our brains are not the same that they were 10 years ago yeah. because of the technology and current environment that we live in. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. There, there's a wonderful book that I want to read again. I gave my copy away to a friend, but I, you know, whatever, I'll get it again. Uh, but there's a book called, uh, how to do nothing by Jenny O'Dell. That's just so, uh, gorgeously written and, uh, just really well argumented about, you know, uh, what like social media does to our brains and the, uh, gamification of it. Like the whole like slot machine, uh, aspect, oh, yeah, like nature absolutely. of it. Uh, it's and, it's and, really insidious. They talk about it yeah. a lot on offline. I, we don't have to get too into it. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. No, I, ooh, I just yeah. I, I think Jenny O'Dell though, and How to Do Nothing is is also in that same vein because she does talk about how 
she went to a cabin with no internet access or anything to like, she had a book, a different thing she had to finish and like yeah. shut herself off and like, you know, um, just ma- like, yeah, just, uh, I-, I do agree that there is like, yeah, cut, you have to cut yourself slack. And so that's what I've been doing. So I decided yeah. instead, instead of waiting and, t- and causing myself anxiety, um, sure. to like, oh, well, you know, thinking that like, oh, well, if I talk about it on the podcast, I'm good. I'm good. Goddamn, gonna finish it. And I'm like, no, I'm fucking not. Not right now, anyway. Uh, yeah. So I just want to talk talk a bit about the imposter uh, by Javier Sicaris. Um, okay. It's about uh, this man Enrico Mar- in in Enrique Marco, uh, who had said that he was a veteran of the Spanish Civil War, uh, on the side of the anarchists and and, and a Holocaust survivor. Uh, but it was all a lie, like all of it. Like and the more this writer is writing about him and about his story, and the more he's disgusted with um not the actions that the man actually took in life, which because a lot of them were um even if it's still questionable of if he ever actually fought on the sides of the anarchist or ever actually was an anarchist um that uh he was just trying to get by in uh fascist Spain under Marco. And, sure. uh, and that alone is understandable at least because he's like, yeah, even if you were against the regime and, and the fascists, it's, they won. And if you don't have enough money to flee, you're kind of stuck and you just have to try to make the best of it. And that isn't dishonorable, but was dis- what is dishonorable is, you know, stealing this valor from these victims of these things and of the people who did fight. And uh, what's interesting is the obvious, like the obvious disdain and disgust that he has for this man for doing such a thing, but also kind of questioning uh, just the nature of identity, like itself, and what yeah. it says about our own vanity. And he even starts questioning of of his own vanity. Like he's like, I didn't want to write this book because I think I'm too much like him because he writes fiction books because he thinks he's like huh. and he thinks in his fiction and in his novels he's maybe trying to hide who he really is by by putting up this front by putting up this known lie and it really bothers him and it's such a really interesting idea of identity and what someone will do under dire circumstances and then like what happens when something becomes your whole world like lying about being a, a holocaust survivor sure you sure. know um and how things Man. just get out of hand it's it's so good and so well done and i can't wait to um yeah to to finish it i'm, I'm about this, a quarter of the way through now but it's this has some some real roots to stuff going on in the news right this very second with the uh republican who basically lied about everything yeah yeah, everything on his resume to get yeah. elected and then somehow squeaked through without anyone checking it out. And then now he's in this position where people are calling for him to resign. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And and it's just uh, and 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 the deeper conversation, too, about like what identity is and like what like happens, uh, like how we see ourselves and how we build our personalities and, you know, not to get uh, and I won't get too personal, but like you know, those, those, and I'm sure everyone experiences these from in different shades, but like these like disassociative episodes sometimes when you just sort of like, whether through stress or like whatever other reason, uh, I've experienced before of like, just like, you know, there's really this, it feels like there's a separation, you know, you almost feel like, you know, and so there's that like tenuous nature of it too. That's fascinating to me of how someone makes like, um, 
I'm sorry, I'll end it after this, but it's kind of like how uh, I get why in our society, because you spend so much time at your job, how it's so easy for someone to be like, well, this is my personality. I'm a lawyer right. and this is what lawyers do. And it's all about me being a lawyer. And then people will go, oh, I don't understand why Jack doesn't retire. He's been a lawyer for 40 years and has made so much money and he doesn't have to. It's like because everything about him has been you know, tied up into this thing and he will crack and lose his fucking mind. You know, you know what it reminds this. me of? Uh, somebody posted on uh some pro mailing list or something uh this website that they they found hilarious it was a website where they were uh criticizing um or not criticizing but like reviewing batman books just okay. batman books right uh, all right pretty normal thing fan site batman books talking about I, whether they liked it or not yeah yeah except every single book they hated it was all six out of ten or lower and it was like dude i just don't think you like batman books anymore like yeah i think you just need to move on and read something else you know y yeah like, that this is the thing is like batman books have become part of your identity and now even though you don't like it like you can't let it go you know yeah like you like you can't you can't give it up and yeah and i get that but it's like yeah, it's like when you see fans of people, like people who are fans of something, and it happens in comic books all the time, they like flip out because yeah. they're like Star Wars, for example, too. Like, how could you do that? And recently, right. I think there there was uh, someone had tweeted out this bit of a Bruce Tim interview from I think around this time where he was talking about continuity, and he's just like, "Listen, man, like I've just decided that like it's all true." He's like, whatever, fine. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. DC that, keeps on that rebooting Bruce stuff. Tim clip is is so good, and, and I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, all true. DCAU. Man. I mean, we're we're taking apart some DCAU books on World Second Finest Pod here, but yeah. like, we the the real fans, real people who are like really hardcore about DCAU stuff, like really want to pick apart like continuity and what counts and what doesn't and where do things lie in the continuity and stuff. And Bruce yeah. Tim's like, I don't know, man, I'm just making stuff like you can, yeah. you can figure that out. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. And, and, it, and what's, and what's even more fascinating to me is that like, like you said, when like people just stop liking a thing, it's like, it's okay, man. Like you're not going to like all of them. Like, right. I, and this is, this is the thing like, is like, there's a lot of star Wars stuff that I don't like but they're never going to take away the original trilogy from me. I'm, I'm still going to yeah. like those. I'm still going to have nostalgic to it. I don't know. Yeah. Jason, this for the first to read pile that is going up as a YouTube video, <laughs> this has like taken a turn. Cause I was oh, like, yeah. we're going to, yeah. we're going to talk about comics and we're like, man, people just need to, to uh, address their psychological problems <laughs> of identity. Yeah. yeah. Try, try, try to get here. Here's a taste. I got really deep about a book about uh, an imposter of, of uh, someone impersonating a, you know, Holocaust survivor. And it got me thinking about the actual nature of identity. Yeah. <laughs> listen in guys to our fun comic book podcast. I, from I mean, if you want to, if you want to tie it into, some of the stuff that we're reading right now, Asriel is walking imposter syndrome. Like, oh, yeah, he he is like everything we're reading right now. As far as Night's End, Night's Quest is is all Asriel just being like, 
who am I? Yeah. Am I this thing? Or or can I strive to be something else? Can I strive? Who, yeah. Like, who am I on the on the inside? I don't know. Anyway, well, anyway, Jason, yeah. Jason, Jason, <laughs> let's talk about deeper. comic books for fuck's sake. All right. Yeah. Let's. You, you know what? That was my I will. He, here's one promise I'll make for the for next week's show from the T repile. OK. I, all right. I, I promise for at least the next three episodes, it will not be an actual book. Now, it okay, doesn't yeah. mean be, it doesn't mean it won't remind me of some sort of like, you know, fucking existential crisis I might be having, but <laughs> it'll be a comic book. I'll, okay. I'll promise you all that right. much. Yo, on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. What, what, do, this, what do you got? What do you got? Chainsaw Man. Oh, fuck. Yes. Oh, God. I got I got to read. I've not I've not read it, but like I've seen so many, so many uh, uh, clips so, from like the pages of it. And I'm just like, okay, why have okay. I not read this yet? I know. I texted you. I texted you a clip of of uh, power. Anyway, let me talk about Chainsaw Man. Fuck. Yes. I read the first one. I read the first eight chapters in the first volume. And I was kind of like, eh, I was a little like, this is fun. Maybe not for me. Yeah. You know, like, I don't understand what the big deal is. Yeah. Like you appreciate um, it, but like, yeah, oh, it's not getting me right where it's getting yeah, everybody else. Yeah. It was kind of like the origin of this kid and he's very immature. He's lived on the streets. So he just wants to touch boobs. And, you know, I'm just kind of like, I don't know, man, I'm 41. Like, like <laughs> this, maybe this is not for me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, he fights, he fights a bat demon at the end of it. And it's like, Pretty straightforward. The first the first, you know, eight chapters or whatever. And the guy at the comic shop was like, was like, dude, come on, just just get the second one. He was like, you got to read two. Just give it two. He's like, just please. I was like, fine, fine. I'll get the second one. Jason got the second one. And it's fucking great. And I've like totally come around on Chainsaw Man. <laughs> I got the second one, read it and then bought the next three those are getting shipped to the house. I haven't read those yet. But let me tell you about why I came around on Chainsaw Man. All right. I think that it has a beautiful structure to it as far as comics go. In the way that like Robert Kirkman is really great at writing a cliffhanger mm -hmm. and making you want to pick up the next issue or the next trade paperback or whatever. Want to just see what happens next. Yeah. Build Chainsaw, that Man, Chainsaw Man has that in its dna like mm. the the first volume ended with that fight with the bat bat demon but it's not over right yeah. so you pick up the second volume and you get the conclusion of that fight and that fight is pretty straightforward right so it's straightforward but it introduces uh this character power who's a blood demon who's just an absolute goblin of a person um and she and Chainsaw Man have this like kind of uh, they're kind of like thrown into the same boat, like they're hunting demons, but they're also kind of associated with demons. So like they're the team doesn't really trust them, but kind of trust. Them. Anyway, the point is, is that like it expands on the relationship a little bit. And that's what that's what the real villain with this bat demon was. I'm trying to like say this stuff without spoiling it because I do want people to read this stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. So you get kind of the resolution and the resolution kind of brings powers character um, a little more into light. And you're like, oh, OK, there's might be a little more here. And that's in the second volume. And then once you 
start going down that path, then they're like, okay, here's the next thing that Chainsaw Man is going to be fighting. And you're like, well, the book's already in my hand. I'm already reading it. So you're like, you read right into the next volume and it ends up, they track down a demon. They don't know what demon it is. They go to this hotel and then they can't get off the eighth floor. They like, there's a demon somewhere in the, in the hotel and like they take the stairs and they end up on the eighth floor. They go out a window, they end up on the eighth floor. Like they cannot get out of the eighth floor and they're there for a long time because they start like scouring for supplies. They run out of cigarettes like, you know, like it's it's all this stuff. And then it also in in volume two, they set up um, Chainsaw Man and Power are living with this guy who is hunting demons, um, who's been at it for a while and is kind of like straight laced and proper. And Power is a fucking goblin of a person. And Chainsaw Man is basically a kid that was raised on the street. So there's like a lot of clash that's happening there. So we get these like little character pieces that are happening through the second volume. And then it ends with them trapped in this hotel. And I'm like, all right, how do they get out of the hotel? Like, give me the third volume. So now now, Jason, uh, I've picked up uh, half of Chainsaw Man that's in print at this point. I think the 10 or 11 volumes total. So I, I ordered up to five. Oh, um, shit. Uh, I I think that I am going to probably see it all the way through if they're as strong as the second volume. If it continues to ramp up, I've got, you know, a bunch of bunch of Chainsaw Man right here. Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm I'm, I'm all in. I thought at first I was like 10 volumes. There's no way I'm going to catch up. I don't know. But there's such a fast read and they're so funny and they're so good. They're just like real charming. And not only that, but like. Chainsaw Man himself in the first volume is saying, oh, you know, I, I just want to touch boobs. You know, like that's his main like motivator <laughs> through the thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then in volume two, he gets that. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, this isn't actually like kind of what I thought it was going to be, you know, like because power's just like, here, touch my boobs. And then he does that. And then he's like, this isn't this isn't fun. And then he's kind of learning about like what intimacy is yeah yeah but he's also a character that has chainsaws coming out of his hands feet and head so it's like just this absolutely absurd absurd book and 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 it's something that like it's only in comics like this is yeah this is oh yeah one of those things and this is something i've been kind of keenly aware of lately like we've been watching a lot of um television and sitcoms and stuff like that we've been talking about sitcoms through this podcast but i there's a weirdness in comics where they like swing for the fences in such an odd way where they just like try things where i'm like fuck man comics are good comics are good i was gonna say a great thing about manga is that like They've never not heard of an idea they won't publish. Like, sure, Chainsaw right, Man. Right. They'll, they'll run with it. They'll chainsaw, run with it. Chainsaw Man, what? Does he use a chainsaw? Oh, no, 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 no. He is a chainsaw. He is a chainsaw. Yeah. He, he's just, and, and it's like, and so the next time, and that's a good lesson for me, just as a good lesson for anybody else. The next time you sit down and you want to try to create something that's a story or anything, and you go, no, that sounds too stupid. Fuck that. It's not too stupid. Yeah, right. 
All right. Not, if you're, not if you're making comics. Just uh, go, yeah. go ham. As long as yeah. this is the thing, yeah. as long as you're having a good time, that'll shine through. If it yeah, becomes exactly. work, it's like eh, it's not going to really not going to really happen. Yeah. And well, and sometimes you do have to work towards to get to it, to get to what you want. But like, don't think that uh, I think just don't think that the thing is too silly because it's yeah. not. And also sometimes yeah. being silly might lead you down a path uh, that is something that's actually more effective, you know, which is why I yeah. think that like, like, for example, one of my favorite shows of all time, I've talked about before, BoJack Horseman, like, I think that's why sometimes BoJack Horseman can hit so fucking hard with how sad things uh, are and can be, because it's at the end of the day, it's just like, you know, funny animal drawings and like they're like gags right. here and there and so it's the it's the useful device of like lulling you into like oh it's just a cartoon show so anyway here's right. an awful death and someone who's not coping yeah. with it well and it like tra- and you're like oh my god you you know you got you got like snuck in there you know and so you're like Fuck right yeah right. this guy has chainsaws for hands and arms and yeah, I'll, I'll give this comic book a shot. Oh my God, it's about personal growth. Jesus Christ, how'd they sneak right, that one in there? Right, like, right. Yeah, this is the thing. This is uh, uh, one of the things that you just reminded me of is uh, Stephen King's On Writing. I don't know if you've ever read that. I've, I've Not, oh, man, we're we're a book heavy episode. Oh yeah, that's what, but, I've I've read uh, quotes from it, but never read the thing. But yeah, so yeah. one of the things that uh, Stephen King endorses is like not writing a plot per se, but just writing good character. Mm. And I think that 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 is what clicked with me with the second volume of Chainsaw Man was that like in the first volume, like I didn't really get a sense of any kind of good characters bouncing off each other. You know, it was just like, here's Chainsaw Man. Here's his origin. Here's this bat thing he's going to kill, you know, like here you go. And it's like, Oh, you know, like if, if the hook is just chainsaws for hands, like, and that's it, like, I'm not going to stick around for 10 volumes. You yeah. Know? You're like, Oh, verse, chorus, verse. I get this. Like, okay, fine. Right, right, like, right. Yeah. But by the second volume, you have chainsaw man trying to like learn about personal growth and interact in a society, like, you know, and figure out what intimacy is. You have power trying to like, not be a fucking gremlin and actually share a room with other people. And then you have like the other, there's um, another uh, demon hunter whose whole family was murdered by a gun demon who like went on like just an absolute killing spree that was uh, brought to fruition by like the United States's obsession with guns. (laughs) And it's, and it's, and he is so like, that's so, so beautiful and calculated and put together because he needs to keep it together because like his shit is so raw, you know, like he's, yeah. he's like, I got to push this down so that I can get this job done so I can finally put this, I guess, feel like put it behind me or maybe feel better about this, but you know, he's not going to. And like, yeah. I want, and I, I want to see him get to that place because, and I want to see him get to this place with these other terrible characters (laughs) like around him. Yeah. And and it's like, and those characters pinballing around with each other is what makes chainsaw man. Good. It's not the chainsaw hands. (laughs) It's the character. The chainsaw hands get you in. Chainsaw hands get you in. The character makes you stay. Yeah. And just, uh, as a, as a complete side note, 
I was at the grocery store the other day. Yeah. And nor and I live in a pretty rural area. Uh pretty normal people, what you kind of expect in a rural area. Yeah. And the other yeah. day I saw this mom shopping with her daughter, and her daughter was like uh very much not what I expect in my grocery store day to day. And she had an an oversized Aesop Rock hoodie and a giant tattoo of power on her leg. And I was oh, like, fuck, fuck yeah. yes. Fuck <laughs> yes. Oh my God, that's so the great. Kid, the kids are all right, Jason, is what I'm trying to uh, say. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, oh man. Jason, oh, where shit. can people find you if they want to chat with you about your book recommendations or <laughs> anything else? Uh, they can find me on Twitter.com at King of Black Acid. Uh, yeah. And uh, they can find uh, the show itself at World's Second Finest on Twitter.com. That's World's Second with the, the number the number two in the in the in the middle there. I try to yep, yep, I, yep, I, yep. I, I try to post a bit from 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 the account from time to time, trying to be a bit better Appreciate about that. that. You know, so yeah, yeah. I can find me at Nick Phil um, or at my link tree with like everywhere I am. I started, Jason, I started really like tackling, and this happened because, you know, new year, new me. I'm trying to like hit all the social media accounts, trying to do everything. Um, so my plans, my plans are this. If you, if you want more content, if you're looking at this and you want more content, here's, here's my schedule. On Monday morning, I release a old video from last year uh, from a Twitch stream of anything art related. So an old thing that you probably haven't seen. Uh, I've been sitting on for a long time. Put a new one out every Monday morning. Uh, on Wednesday, we're going to I'm going to put a to read video thing. That's experimental. We haven't done that yet, but that yeah. we're going to try that. We're going to try that out with this one. So. Wednesday's going to get a uh, to read pile of whatever we're reading. Comic book recommendations. Apparently book recommendations. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Throwing uh, curveballs. Throwing curveballs. And then uh, Thursday is going to be a new stream on Twitch with art. I just colored a uh, Batman the Animated Series uh, Bruce Tim drawing. Uh, super fun to work over Bruce Tim lines. Kind of just want to do that for uh, the rest of the year. I don't know if that's possible, <laughs> but I don't have access to enough Bruce Tim drawings. Um, and then uh, Saturday, uh, I'm playing uh, Fire Emblem on stream. I'm playing uh, Fire Emblem Radiant Dawn. And then also we're recording this podcast on Saturdays. And then Sunday, the podcast comes out. So if any of these things appeal to you, if you want to see me draw or color, or if you just want to see me fuck around in a video game, like there there's where everything is and all the links are at uh nick phil link tree link tree.com slash nick phil i don't know why i switched it eh, eh. yeah so because you're an artist to, okay that's why trying to to artistically sp spin all these plates <laughs> as it were yeah yeah and keep it going yeah yeah so anyway yeah. thank you for listening thank you for thank checking you for out any yes. any of the content yes a, a thousand times. Thank, thank you for anyone spending any time on this. Greatly appreciate it, as always. Since we're talking about old stuff for just just a second, like small yeah. small diversion. 
Yeah. It is incredibly difficult to find old stuff streaming because like no one had worked out the rights to streaming video uh, in like 1950 or whatever. Like, I, yeah, like Jason, I really want to watch the old Dick Van Dyke shows and yeah, uh, and the old Bewitched stuff just like just to watch it because I'm into sitcoms. I, I enjoy them. And yeah, like, this old stuff looks really great. And Dick Van Dyke's a legend. And like trying to find it streaming is basically impossible. And, and like somebody will own the rights for like a season and then somebody will own the rights for another season and nobody can can get everything on one platform. It's a awful. It's awful. It's, so I'll try not to make this too long. But so a, a weird fact about me is that when I was 13 or 14 years old and I was getting really into the idea of making my own comic books and making my own characters, I also got really into the idea of copyright and what copyright meant. So little 13, 14 year old Jason would try to read these books about copyright law to try to understand it because it was interesting yeah. to me of how you could own like this character. Like it wasn't like owning a house where you could sure. point to the house and say, here's this material thing that's a house, you know? And so for a, a large part of my life, for a non-lawyer, I've known quite a bit about copyright, like maybe not law specifically, but just the ideas behind them and the philosophy behind them. And I've come to the belief that uh, most copyright uh, laws and the idea of it are fundamentally evil, I think, and uh, a Whoa, detriment to- that's a hot take. Uh, Well, it's, it's such a detriment to our society because one of the, one of the great things about, um, I'll try to find it and maybe, maybe we can edit it in here, but there was this uh, great YouTube video that I watched about music. This guy has a music channel. And he's this like, you know, one of those people who's a PhD uh, in music. And he was explaining um, what he, how he thinks music publishing and stuff should be handled because he was talking about the, uh, the Marvin Gaye estate or the equity firm that owns Marvin Gaye's catalog, constantly suing all these people and like suing uh, Ed Sheeran, I think, yeah, for like, I remember for stealing. And, and it's such a, like, not only is it such a, uh, he goes far, far deeper into it, but. Anyway, the idea is that like, he's like, listen, he's like jazz and rock and roll and everything that came from jazz was built on people knowing standards and knowing the same basic things and even same basic entire songs that have just right. been around that people don't even know who wrote what. They're just part of our culture and you can build off of it and right. and jealously guarding it like that uh, really harms like the furthering of it. And, and of course people deserve credit and deserve to make money from the fruits of their labor. Um, but to, to, uh, to be so strict with it, I think is so restrictive because like now, um, like the Dick Van Dyke show is how old now? Probably oh, like, um, it's, I mean, it's black and white television. So, so like 70 years old. Yeah. It's pretty old. About. It's pretty old. And but what's great about ha what's great about that stuff uh, and the ability of it to still be around is that you who are interested in sitcoms know, oh, yeah, well, this is like kind of the original. Here's like the right. the the shadow on the cave wall. Here's the platonic ideal of, of sitcom. I'd really like to watch it and I would like to watch it in a legal way where sure. I can you know, try to hope these platforms keep this stuff around and they just go, no, no, I can't make enough money from it. So no one gets to see it. And yeah, that, you know what the, you know what the, you know, know what the saving grace of that is 
like streamers are like, oh, we can't make enough money on it, so we're not going to have it around. The local library has got yes. all the DVDs ready for me to check it out at no cost. Yeah, I was going to say physical physical media, whether buying, renting, or great recommendation, local library, or also sometimes um, if your library system is robust enough, uh, services like Canopy will have yeah. uh, so much. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, so, like, I was that's, actually, that's such a great, that's such a great point. I was actually just chatting uh, with a buddy of mine about how I feel like with long-running manga stuff, I I always get like the first four or five and I get really excited about it. And then I drop off cause I'm reading other things. And then I'm like, Oh, I want to go back to that. And then it's like, Oh, what happened in those? Like I have like 20th century boys is like phone book, thick, like uh trade paperbacks. And I have like five of them and they are a slow burn and they are a dense read. And I'm like, Oh, I want to get six, but I have totally forgotten what happened in the first five at this point. And, uh, so I always end up dropping off and my buddy was like, dude, this is why I read all my manga in the local library system. He was like, because I can just get it, read it, go back, get the next one while I'm there, get it, read it, go back, get the next one while I'm there and like, you know, perpetuates the cycle. And then he's like, and then I don't have, you know, an entire bookshelf of 20th century boys like in my house <laughs> one of one of my um favorite parts of one of my favorite comic books of all time hicksville uh is uh the the town of hicksville has this vast vast comic book library that even has like never before seen work like they have like a jack kirby personal auto bio like oh you my know, god i would books, love that like, all this kind of great but like but like it's oh god and and ever since then i'm like if I ever the seldom times I buy a single Powerball ticket when it's like a billion dollars or something and everybody else does, like I always think I'm like, it would be so awesome to have uh, to fund a library that like just not only help my local libraries, but just tr tr try to start like a public trust and like fund one with a mission to like further comic books. You know, yeah, it would still have yeah. regular books like, Man, but like- Speaking oh. of Jack Kirby, speaking of Jack Kirby, um, mm. he uh, when he when he went to war to fight the Nazis, uh, which is uh, really, really amazing. Did you ever hear the story about how, like, apparently there was like a Nazi that came to the uh, Marvel offices? Like, yeah, upset yeah. With Jack Kirby and Jack Kirby was like, fuck that guy. I'm going to go downstairs and knock his ass out. Yeah, like, they had so to hold good. him back. Like so yeah, like, good. Like three people had to hold this like five foot six man back. Yes. Yes. From so from, good. Like, Jack Kirby. A dude. Jack yeah. Kirby is a fucking legend. Uh, is it Hail to went, the King, when baby. He did, when he did sign up, when he didn't list and he went to war and he fought the Nazis, they were like, oh, you can draw really well. Like, we're going to put you on scouting missions and have you draw uh, maps and stuff about enemy placement. Oh. And, oh, uh, when I found that out, I was like, this is a this is incredible. And I was like, B, I just want a book of these drawings, you know, like, yeah, I, I know they're probably not really super interesting, but because it's Jack Kirby and it's because it's like real life stuff, it, like it, it, it feels like a book of these drawings and annotations about 
where these actual places are and how Jack interpreted them, I think would be like really, really interesting. Oh, yeah. No, totally. It's like it's like that. Like they only but I, don't, published... I don't even know if any of these drawings survived. So, I don't, I don't well, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like they only published a limited run, but uh, the uh, famous and like sometimes people. Well, yeah, I guess foundational uh, psychologist Carl Jung has this book uh, that he made near the end of his life. That's like full of these like paintings and like sort of like it's just, I don't know. It's just wild. Like if you look up like, you know, Carl Jung, like book or like dream book or something like that, like you'll find it. And I just, and they published it in like this really nice, expensive, like art book, which like, I don't know if I would ever want to have that, have that, but I would love sure. to be able to go to a library and take it out, take out this like hundreds of dollar, yeah. like huge yeah. thing and just have it for a while. And like really kind of enjoy this, like not often like sort of seen thing from this like figure that means so different to so many different things to other people you sure know, that sure. man i would you're right i would love to oh god you want that jack kirby book that fictional jack kirby book i made in my brain oh god i yeah i <laughs> oh it like it, yeah you're right because it would just be it's just it's just so cool it's just so cool to see like it's why it's cool to read uh letters that survive from like influential and like famous people you know it's just like really right interesting to see like uh, this like different side of them when they're talking yeah. about some yeah. problem you know like oh man 